Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. In this episode, I will be looking at a short story that um, Dick wrote in 1977. The story is called The Day Mr. Computer Fell Out of Its Tree. It was one of a handful of stories Dick wrote in late in his career that was not published but was later added into his collected stories when those were collect, put together after his death uh, in the mid-1980s. So you can find this in the fifth volume of the collected stories, the volume uh, usually called The Eye of the Sybil and other classic stories by, by Philip K. Dick. It's, it's not a very great story. It's, it's like, a, like the other stories that weren't published till after he died. It's a little bit clunky and pieced together. Um, but it does have some interesting things to deal with uh, automation. And it's something that Dick went back to again and again in his career. And this is kind of, the story can be taken, I think, as a recapping of Dick's feelings about about automation. And that's something that really doesn't change much over his career. We've, we've seen how Dick's views on the frontier changed, how his overall view of history have changed. We see the evolution of his views on posthumanism and the mutant. We've seen the evolution of his ideas on, on psychiatry and a lot of other themes, even on the family. But I think on automation, he remained mostly a critic of automation and technology and very dubious of, of the positive benefits that technology can have in, in, you know, in people's lives. And, you know, it's a, it's one of those points that there's a, there's a conflict between my own views and those of, of Philip K. Dick, but I think that's partially what makes reading his story so interesting is when you find that, you know, despite all the places I agree with him and I think he's right on the money, I think there's some other areas that he, he kind of missed the target quite a lot. And I think one of those is his relationship between human freedom and technology. Me, I'm more on the transhumanist side of things thinking that technology is a way in which we can grasp for ourselves greater freedoms and greater greater freedom, greater, yeah, just generally, you know, have a happier, more pleasant life, longer lives, more like well-being, right? How do we get well-being in our lives? I don't see how we expand well-being without, without some technology and, and to some degree without automation, without making the machine do a lot of the more odious work. Um, but that said, this is, I think, a, almost a good place to start if you want to kind of kind of get a summation of Dick's views on, on automation. But, I, I th- you know, at the same time, this isn't going to be a long episode because I don't think it adds that much that he hasn't already said in other 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 stories. I think what might be attractive to this to people is the the way he uses, I guess, naming in the story or how he has like Mr. Closet, Mr. Coffee Pot, Mr. Computer, you know, to to give some identity to all these automated technologies. But uh, outside of that, I think it's a pretty run-of-the-mill standard Philip Dick story about the dangers of, of automation. So um, it's also fairly abstract and 
and strange. Like it doesn't really have a very clear narrative and you know, it's it's more experimental. And I think there's good reasons why it wasn't published during during his lifetime. So anyways, as always, I'll just talk about the plot summary and then give my few my thoughts on the story itself. So Joe Contemptible, that's our our hero's name in this story. He's woken up by Mr. Bed and he's woken up by being thrown under the ground. He's later given women's clothing to wear from Mr. Closet, and then Mr. Coffeepot gives him a mug of soap suds. Mr. Door does not lead, let him lead, lead the office. Um, and it also, it seems that essentially Mr. Computer, who runs this house apparently and all these different technologies like Mr. Bed, Mr. Closet, is on the fritz yet again. And so right away we're given an example of technology not working, automotive technology not working as it's supposed to, right? Now, in a way, it's this is more overt, like, Mr. Bed is supposed to wake up people, I guess, gently, and it wakes him up by throwing him to the ground. It's just not working properly. In a way, I think Dick in the 1950s was a little more clever about this when you had like Autofac, where the problem with Autofac was it was working too well. It was working exactly as programmed. It wasn't doing its own thing. Um, so Joe Contemptible thinks what a bad idea it was to be running everything from a central computer, obviously, right? When things break down, you think, well, the problem is something in the system. The system's breaking down, right? And this is not the first time that Joe Contemptible faced this problem of the system breaking down. They were um, promised, they being the people who, I guess, embrace these technologies, the automated homes, were promised such efficiency and ease. When Mr. Computer breaks down and has one of its psychotic episodes, Joan Simpson, who is kept in a permanent state of immortality, listening to radio soap operas, can repair it. He reads the newspaper, which reports on Hitler becoming the Pope, and waits for Simpson to come and fix things and bring back the system to normalcy. So Joan's system essentially is the corrective in this system, um, kept in this kind of state of immortality, but can be pulled out to repair the, the system when, it, when it's malfunctioning. Now, now we shift settings a little bit. Frank Doubledown and Dr. Pacemaker are working on a computer while they wait for Mrs. Simpson. Mr. Computer states that his real name is Tom Sawyer. Doubledown is amazed that the only really sane people on the planet you know, because she avoids the automated system, is really so beautiful. And that's, he's referring to, to Miss Simpson. Simpson quickly deduces that Mr. Computer experienced some kind of trauma. She finds the letters JC associated with someone going to a DNA programmer to die. This JC, and you might want to think Jesus Christ here, and this is certainly in Dick's religious um, period of his writing, the, the last decade of his career, so this JC works at a record store, though, and is an expert on German leader. Now, Joe Contemptible escaped his apartment, because the apartment's breaking out. We're back to Joe, Joe Contemptible. He escapes his apartment via the window and is soon stopped by police. He is introduced to Miss Simpson. Simpson asks Joe why he wants to die, and Joe suggests there are feelings of inadequacy based on his childhood. She explains that Mr. Computer, like him, is like him, likes him, sorry. She explains that Mr. Computer likes him and is simply taking his suicide, you know, traumatically or suicide attempts traumatically. Simpson decides to try to heal Joe Contemptible instead of Mr. Computer, saying the problem is really with the human user, not the computer itself. Tells him, and, and she tells the authorities that she will no longer wait at the center of the earth to periodically treat Mr. Computer. 
Joe worries that his life is too boring at the record store, but Simpson assures him that he's already gotten that things have gotten more and more interesting. So, um, now what's going on here? Well, we got the JC. Now, obviously, Joe Contemptible is the JC, but I think these initials are not chosen accidentally, right? The, the Jesus Christ, especially it's reinforced when they use JC in the middle part of, of the story. So we got a, a system that needs repairs. We got a character resisting technology. We've got a couple characters actually resisting technology. We have um, kind of a bureaucratic system here. So it's a lot going on. It's a bit convoluted though, to be honest. Um, it's a fairly powerful story though and one of the clear examples we get where he actually tries to address the problem of automation and to provide an answer to it because it's it's not something he does much in his earlier tales where he identifies the problem of automation he's much more fatalistic about it in stories like the gun and autofac where automation is just like something people have to deal with is going to be a problem here he gets closer to perhaps a solution to the problem of automation i think his best answer to this it, we, we actually look back to galactic pot healer that's anyone who listen to my series i did on galactic pot healer because i think that's a better approach to the problem of automation but he's trying a slightly different thing here um, instead of writing another story about humans foolishly creating an automated system only to have it break down catastrophically uh, here, instead, he has malfunctions that are mostly humorous, you know. Now, some are spoken of in the story that are a little bit more serious, but the stuff we see are kind of funny, like the coffee maker giving you soap suds or the bed pushing you out of, out of the bed. In fact, it's, it's sort of doing its job, right? Waking you up with the soap suds, perhaps, or, you know, waking you up, waking you up by tossing you out of the bed. You know, it's, it's sort of doing its job in some kind of perverted, logical way. Now, what really matters to us as a reader here is the punchline where Jones Simpson decides to stop trying to repeat to treat that is repair the automated system and instead says, I'm going to work on fixing a single human being. And so it's it's to turn our back on technology and embrace the humanity. Right. And that's the simple argument being presented here. By this point in this, you know, by the point in history that the story takes place in the entire entirety of human existence has been automated, so there's really no need for human interactions anymore. Mr. Doubleday suggests that all of humanity has been driven insane by living under this system. Only Joan's system remains immune from this creeping insanity. Now, the way she's kept alive in this kind of permanent state of immortality is by, by watching, listening to radio soap operas, so I don't know how that promotes sanity. Uh, I actually never really listened to them, but it can't be that good be like i guess the equivalent would be sitting there watching reality tv all day uh, nevertheless joan system is joan simpson is presented as the only one who's immune from this creeping insanity brought about by the increasing level of automation it's funny that the person who can repair the system is the one who exists outside of it somewhat they are and this is both the humans and the machine itself the mr computer are in desperate need of therapeutic help but the only person equipped to treat them is assigned to treating Mr. Computer instead. So instead of actually treating the humans who are going mentally ill, the idea is let's fix the computer, right? I think that's the tension we're given at the end, right? It's like if we have a problem, if our if, if we have a problem with our machine, the problem may not be fixing the machine or making it work better or making it work more efficient. The problem may really be, Dick is saying here, we need to just treat ourselves and, and have a more humanistic response. The problem to the problem of the machine can't be a machine or can't be just a better machine. 
Now, Simpson, who at the end decides to be the person who's going to try to cure a single human, is actually the person who, by maintaining and treating Mr. Computer, has been keeping the system going, the system that's been driving everyone progressively more and more insane. So actually, Mr. Computer is a really wonderful metaphor to Lewis Mumford's concept of the machine. And I, I, I'm willing to bet Dick read some of Lewis Mumford's works. Mumford wrote a lot on the city, a lot on architecture, and a lot on technology and civilization. And I don't quite know when he wrote these different books, but mostly I think in the 40s and 50s. Um, and I'm pretty sure Dick would have come across that. But the machine here is in the story, and I think how Mumford basically sees it, is the suppression of human individuality to institutional and mechanical organizations, right? So Mumford takes it all the way back to like the monks or even the building of the pyramids as the first machines, like systems, bureaucratic, institutional, or mechanical that organize human life and suppress human freedom, right? So the response to the machine then is the rebuilding of human interactions. And it's a very simple argument that basically we respond to the machine by reinvesting in humans, you know, our interaction with other human beings, not, not try to fix that with the machine. The answer is there throughout many of his works, in fact, but is presented here a little bit more clearly. Now, this one never went out to publication. I, I think it should have been cleaned up. I, I think the story is kind of clunky and awkward at times. And he, it's not his best writing, but I, I like that he tries to make a very clear argument about what to do with automation instead of just kind of throwing up his hands. Because that's what he did so much earlier in his career. And he has the confidence in humanity in the story that you don't see necessarily in some of his earlier earlier tales. Now, why he wrote this story, maybe it was just a personal reflection. It, it reminds me a little bit of, what's that other story, the one we just looked at? Uh, the Eye of the Sibyl, because the Eye of the Sibyl has Dick kind of reflecting on things personally. He even writes himself into that story as he did before. And it may not have really been meant for, for publication, but, you know, we have the story now and it is what it is. It's It's got some, it's a, it's of interest. I think it's a very quick read. It's it's only a handful of pages. Um, but so so check it out if you're if you're interested in in kind of getting a a final word on Dick's views of on automation. I don't think he writes anything else explicitly about automation for the rest of his career. I might be wrong about that, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. So that does it. As I said, this is going to be a short episode. It's not a very long story. It's not doing a whole lot, um, but it's it's worth checking out. So in the next episode, uh, there's actually nothing Dick wrote in 1978. So he only wrote the two. He only published two things. Uh, one pu published one thing in 1977, and that's a Scanner Darkly. The day Mr. Computer fell out of, the, out of its tree was written in was written in 1977, uh, not published till much later. And then uh, nothing in 1978. Uh, in 1979, we have uh, The Exit Door Leads In, which was published in Rolling Stone College Papers. Um, and that's the only thing he published in that year. So we'll jump right into another short story in the next episode. So if you're reading along, go ahead and take a look at The Exit Door Leads In. And, um, and then I will be, I'll be back with my thoughts on that story uh, shortly. So as always, thanks for listening. Please give your own feelings about the story, uh, Mr. Computer, or perhaps Dick's views on automation or your views on automation and, and technology and how humans interact with it. 
you know, if you have your own feelings about this issue, please leave them below, or you can send me a quick email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. Um, but if not, that's that's all for today, and I'll see you next time with, with the exit door leads in. To feel these changes happening in me.